Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Welcome into the Bleachers. This is Bleacher Blums, the podcast. Uh, You can find us on most podcast networks. We hope that you do. Make sure that you reach out to us, subscribe to us, because we are very good. We like what we do, and it's highly entertaining. So we highly recommend that you that are listening to this, we are grateful for you, but we would love to have more of your friends on board. So make sure you share, rate, subscribe, review. Email us, uh, talk to us on Twitter at Blummer27 at Real David Tuttle. You can go to our website, bleacherblums.com. There's a message button on there. You could shoot us a message or you could just buy some swag if you want to because Ram Shirts has done a great job for us creating a lot of that swag. They do a great job. You can also go to Crush City tees.com and check out some other stuff too. But I am Jeff Blum. I am a co-host on this Bleacher Blums podcast. And across the way, out there on the left coast, I've got my good buddy, David Tuttle, who is also a co-host on this podcast. We were good friends before we even met. We have a lot of uh, ex-teammates that we had in common, and we met while taking our kids to school. And that's how these podcasts come about. But Tuttle, out there on the left coast, how are you doing? We got to hang out last week. How how much fun was that? And I and I have to owe you. I owe you a serious debt of gratitude because the beers that you brought over were phenomenal. I got to share them with my friends. And guess who looks like a hero? This guy because of you, yeah, Tuttle. What's guy. going on, man? All right. I appreciate it. You always make me look like a hero, so I thought I'd repay the favor. Um, <laughs> not a whole lot. It was great to see you. I I, I told you this uh, before, but I think it's funny because we get together every week right here. I see your mug right there, your Chino Hills High School hat. It's awesome. Um, go Cowboys. But Go Cowboys. But the uh, I need that for my fantasy. I'll remember that. Go Cowboys. I got a couple Cowboy quarterbacks and running backs in my mix. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's just where they fell. But uh, I digress. So seeing you in person is obviously much better than, you know, zooming our podcast together, but it's funny because I feel so comfortable like like hey, there you know, Blum's in town. Like I see him every week. Like hey, we're good to go. So, mm-hmm. it was good to catch up. It was good to do the fantasy draft. I obviously wouldn't have been able to draft without you cuz I couldn't find the button on the uh, computer. <laughs> Dude, we were down which, to the last second. I don't second. know what the, the hell's wrong with me. Um, but uh yeah, it was so good to see you and uh you know, you got to you brought a little taste of Houston weather out to Southern California. I mean, we're looking at like 90% humidity. It was brutal. And it's funny because you mentioned Twitter on this, but I don't get on Twitter, but you finally got your wish. It was shorts and a collared shirt, like, you know, the <laughs> mullet outfit. You got it. So anyway, hopefully the people that listen to this podcast got a kick out of that. But you complained about the tie and uh, shirt and tie last time, and you was it was hot enough out here to avoid it. So. Dude, that's actually a really good point. I, I completely, I didn't completely forget about it, but my mind was obviously going in a di- different direction. But you're right, that whole trip, uh, you know, getting out to L, well, quote unquote, LA, but, uh, you know, having lived on the beach for about 15 years before I moved to Houston, you'd get about this pocket of a week of weather where it was maybe 85 and humid and you start to panic. You're like, oh my gosh, we should have put AC in the house because we built a house in, in California and they go, do you want air conditioning? We're like, Psh, dude, we've got an ocean breeze. We've got these <laughs> disappearing walls. We're going to, oh, we'll be fine. But there's that one week every year, and Tuttle can attest to this too, where it's just, it's it's 85, the humidity's off the charts, and, you know, the thick blood of the California coast, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to melt. And um, it was really funny because, like you said, I got to wear the shorts and the collared shirt. You know, I that last day, the day game was 107, I think, at game time, fifth hottest game the Astros have ever played. And I gave in. I said, I'm going to wear shorts. And thank God I did. Although the flight home was extremely smelly in our row because I had Steve Sparks next to me and then me. And, you know, we don't get to shower after games. We just bring that funk with us on the way home. And here's a funny story I am checking out of our hotel. And behind me, I hear this guy go, Blummer. And I'm thinking, okay, hey, Astro fan, how's it going? And it's one of the guys I used to go to church with down in uh, Dana Point. And, it, and it's and his name's Corey, oddly enough. So it was easy to remember because my wife's name is Corey. And I go, Corey, man, what's going on? What are you doing here? And he goes, he goes, dude, it's too hot. We don't have air conditioning, bro. So we came down. I took the wife and we stayed at the hotel for three days because it's so hot, bro. Wow. <laughs> I was like, so wow. Surfer guy. 
Right. And they stayed and, at a hotel. Yeah. Yeah, they they bought the hotel room because it was that hot. So that was just kind of a funny California story. That's what we do in California. You know, not all of us. Come on. I I, yeah, I actually were joking gamer. about you bringing the Houston weather. But yeah, you got to tough it out, man. Now, we do have AC in our house, so that's easy for me to say. But he probably did the equation. Let's see. No AC at the house for 360 days of the year. You know, what's the mm -hmm. bill there? So yeah, I could do three nights in a hotel. It's fine. We'll yeah, the, the it. wife is airing me out. She's moody. It's hot. I need yeah. to get out of this. Let's go. There you go. And there he is at your hotel. Yeah, but what what do we got on tap, dude? Oh yeah, yeah so what's nice on hotel. tap? We are not so, gonna divulge that information, but uh, very nice yeah. hotel. We were grateful yes. to be there. Long ass nice. drive to the friggin' ballpark though, dude. Yeah, it's kind of Remember a how, yeah. did we talk about this? We need to talk about this. Like my favorite cities are the ones that have the hotels within walking distance. This oh, was yeah. This was an hour bus drive. Oh yeah, you're not you're not getting a walk in. No. I mean, like you no. said, if you want to be near the coast, this is the this is the also the problem for anybody listening that doesn't kind of know the geography very well out here. Maybe native Texans or but I mean, everything's a drive in California for one. For two, dude. So if you want to be near the coast, like you want to be where you're at, then uh, you know, then you got to get in. But this is why Artie Moreno called it the Los Angeles Angels of you know Southern Orange <laughs> in County, the vicinity of yeah. in the vicinity of because no, because you're yeah, you have no idea where you are. You're like yeah, we'll go to Orange County, we'll come see you, and you realize you're like oh my god, you're like two and a half hours away. I, I don't think I can make it happen. So no, it's but a, Houston, whatever. Houston's like that too. When now, when Tuttle gets out here, you're going to understand that Houston is really spread out also, but it's not spread out like the idea that Tuttle and I have of L.A. I don't, you know, I, I understand what you're saying because L.A. is very spread out and it also almost encompasses, Southern, when you say L.A., it almost encompasses everything except San Diego down in yeah. Southern California. I don't That's know if right. that makes any sense, but to Tuttle's point, in order to get anywhere in the L.A. Orange County area, it it's a good minimum 30-minute drive, right? Yep, it is. Yeah. I agree. I mean, if you're in LA, everything's an hour. That's always the statement. Southern God, California is a little different. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I think and and we're very car driven like you said uh, and and we again yes. we're digressing, but in a city like it's you our said, podcast, San Francisco, we can do whatever Oakland, we want. Yeah. Man. That's right. We can do whatever the hell we want. All right, folks, thanks for listening in. That's our whole podcast before we get to what's yep, on see tap. you next week. Um, <laughs> but walking is so much, you know, when you go to Seattle or you go to New York City or you go to these places where I actually like that part about, like you take the tube yeah. or the subway or the walk or- Metro, you know, bar, it's really yeah. Yeah, it's so easy, but, you know, Southern California is a drive anywhere. If you live anywhere in LA, if you're going 10 miles, it's an hour. If you're going 30 miles, it's an hour. Everyone's an hour away in Orange County. <laughs> We cut it down a little bit. It's about a 30-minute car ride to get anywhere you want to go. So anyway, it's challenging. So um, what's on tap? So we have fantasy football draft, which we already touched on, which is why we saw Woo -woo. each other. We'll maybe get into that a little bit. College football, Arkansas. Your daughter got to go to her first game. I saw 90,000 people there. That was actually a good football game. The game that we watched together during our draft was the game of the ex-USC quarterbacks, the uh, Pitt-West Virginia game that? with JT Daniels and uh, Keaton Slovis. I was like, those guys used to play at USC. And now the other guy, Jackson Dart, transferred out of there, and he's playing. Uh, gosh, where is he playing? He's at Texas, maybe? I don't know. But how weird was I'm it? To, to, I mean, West Virginia and Pittsburgh? Yeah, You had to go that far away from USC to get a starting job. It's crazy to me. I don't know. There was an interesting stat. Now, this is, again, digression here on what's on tap. This is but, the uh, beauty of the bleacher blunts. There were 100, 130 uh, transfers. I think 130, like, uh, no, I'm sorry. There were 100, there's 131 FBS college football teams. There mm -hmm. are 40 starting quarterbacks that are uh, first-generation uh, transfers in there. So basically oh, wow. a third of the teams – Right, one thirty. Yep. I guess one twenty would be an actually third. So forty out of one thirty-one had new starting transferred quarterbacks. And I guess the discussion Damn. is, you know, did they promise them the job, or they say, nope, it's an open competition. It's like, why would you go to that school if you're gonna? And, it's and like we're actually, all over again. It's crazy. So, and I, I can get into that a little bit. Fantasy football, college football. Aaron Judge hit his fifty-fourth home run yesterday, which is three Good games Lord. in a row. And then Joe Madden had an interesting uh, podcast interview with Jason Stark and that crew. I think Doug Glanville is the other guy on that podcast. And I didn't listen to the whole podcast. The funny thing is, and we may have said this on the podcast, we may not have, but Joe Madden had the reputation, at least in our circles, that he's losing touch with the players, the modern ball player. But 
here you and I are as retired ball players. I really liked most of what he said. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's appropriate to throw people under the bus and maybe get yourself in trouble, but he talked about how he and Theo Epstein work together. So we have those guys uh, and fantasy football, which we touched on. Uh, what's on tap? That's what I got for you. And then you have something, I guess. Yeah, stay tuned for that because I've got uh, I've got a question for you, Tuttle. You being a pitcher, and there's a number that that really has jumped out this season for the Astros and most notably Framber Valdez, mm. who is now on this freakish 22 game quality start streak, which I think is phenomenal. I don't want to I don't want to take anything away from him, but I want to ask you and maybe talk a little bit and explain the the quality start a little bit more because I think. I've got a theory on why it's so why it means so much now as maybe it didn't in past years. So kind of gotcha. stay tuned for that. Perfect. And that's what we have. What's on top? I do want to say. I wonder if Joe Madden would agree with your uh, quality start metric. It'd be interesting to. It would be interesting. I would. I would really right. like to know. Like, ask some of these pitching coaches and see. You know how important it is. But uh, it, I've got some ideas why it might be and why it not be. May not All right. be. Let's make. Let's make a little left English. turn for. Yeah, I know English. Uh, my English good. <laughs> Uh, let's make a left turn a little bit and let's start with fantasy football since that's what we got together for last week. Had a couple drinks. It was nice to, uh, to get together. And, um, it's funny. I had two fantasy football drafts over this three day weekend Mm -hmm. and was unable to separate my teams. I try to separate them and it's like, all of a sudden that player's there and I have a choice between those three players. I'm like, you know what? I'll take him. I have the same quarterback in both leagues, which is Dak Prescott. Um, you know, I, I I feel like I don't know. I'm gonna go down with the ship, right? Meaning I could have had it, created some variety and a little diversity here, but I am focused this year. Last year I brought up the bottom. Me and a uh, our lovely uh, golf analyst that pops on the podcast every once in a while, John Adams and I were bringing up the rear, and I start the season playing him. So this first week uh, Thursday night is going to be a a telling event. So were you were you happy with your draft? I mean, aside from having some Ale Smith beers and uh, some brewery <laughs> beers, like, were you happy with like where you were and the guys you got, or is it too too early to tell? Um, I'm actually. It didn't go the. It didn't take the route that I wanted to. I was. I, I had the number eight pick overall. Tuttle had the number six pick overall. So I think once once we got past your pick, because you picked Derrick Henry in the first round, if I remember correctly. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I think. Dalvin Cook. Okay, so you took yeah. Dalvin Cook, and I was kind of hung up on at that being my bottom, as far as the running backs, like the one, you know, one first tier, second tier. Yep. So I decided to go with uh, Jamar Chase just because I thought that he is going to be a league leader as far as receptions, touchdowns. Working with Joe yep. Burrow is unbelievable. So I was going points, and then I was able to get a couple of running backs later on in Alvin Kamara and Travis Etienne, if I'm saying yeah. that correctly. And I'm pretty happy with it, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt comfortable. I can't believe that I got Patrick Mahomes in the, I think it was the fifth round after yeah. I picked up, you know, Allen Robinson and some of these, like, I feel like I've got a decent starting wide receiver running back crew and I added Patrick Mahomes to it. So that's my quarterback. Yeah. You have a good quarterback. Yeah. I mentioned already, I have Dak Prescott. I was happy. I was not going to go quarterback early. Um, Mm -hmm. As some people do, I think Josh Allen got picked up in the second round. I was trying to go best player available outside the quarterbacks, but it's funny because every year I do that and then I wait and I don't get the quarterback. But I think with even a 12-team league, you know, I mean, the Kyler Murrays go, the Josh Allens go, these guys go, and then you're you're sitting and everybody kind of has a quarterback. Now it's frustrating when somebody jumps up and takes the second quarterback before you got one (laughs) and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, but I better do something. But, you know, I mean – the last quarterbacks, the guys I had a choice of were, I think Russell Wilson got picked right before I was going to pick, but then it was like Dak Prescott, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I know, but I'm just saying Aaron Rodgers was in that mix. I mean, there are mm-hmm. guys out there, so you don't have to panic and go there. So, but yeah, the quarterback it is I feel nice like wasn't to, a panic position. Yeah, no, not at all. And like you said, getting Pat Mahomes in the fifth round is a, I mean, that's a, it's a windfall. I did go. I think you you brought up the point, and this is I'll kind of reflect what you said or. Um, I guess uh, mirror what you said. the The draft didn't necessarily go where I want wanted to go, or necessarily what I predicted. But you and I were both there in the middle, and I think the old days of getting like two or three running backs early on um, is gone by the wayside. I mean, you know, Jamar Chase. I have him in another league. Um, you know, he's going to get ninety to one hundred and ten, maybe more receptions. I got um, Kelsey in our league. He was kind of mm. the best player on the board, and so it's like. 
you know, I didn't need that great of a tight end, but it was kind of like he's better than the receiver I was going to pick. So why not grab him here, you know, from a points perspective and get him? So I think we're evolving as well, right? Meaning just taking the best player available kind of is a better strategy than saying, oh, I have to take a running back here and, uh, you know, forcing yourself. Like you said, I think Dalvin Cook, I took Derek Henry, the guy after me. And then there you were with the eighth pick and kind of all the running backs that were you know, statistically in that other tier were gone. And you're like, hey, you know, so we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, that's that's the uncertainty about fantasy football. It all looks yeah. good now. And then Thursday night, Health. we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, you're like, all of a sudden, my dude goes down like a hamstring. He's done for seven weeks. You know, you know, we both got similar grades. Uh, you know, we drafted through Yahoo. We got similar grades. But the one thing that jumps out at me, and you talked about how our philosophies were kind of the, you know, next best. And I took some chances in the later rounds just on some of these flyers and sleepers just to kind of mix it up a little bit, hopefully that these guys, you know, t- take off or find a role that actually suits them and they're able to put up uh, numbers right. and surprise everybody. But at the same time, I play you in week seven, and I have five mm. of my players on a bye week in week seven. So my my draft ability might be okay, but my ability to read the bye week is awful. So I can't wait to see how often or how many waiver wire pickups I have to dump and drop and try and add to get a team that's going to be competitive enough to try and beat you in week seven, dude. I don't know. I mean, I will say, I just want to be honest. I I mean, everybody, I was listening to another podcast about fantasy football and they're saying nowadays with technology and podcasts and you know websites like everybody has the same information obviously how you interpret it or what you do with that is different but i think the bye week is still something i never pay attention to when i'm drafting i just go best player best player best player and you know some days it works out in your favor some days it doesn't and it looks like it worked out in my favor this year of course i haven't looked at if i have a bye week <laughs> when i play you but uh i'll pick up the guys you drop and then use them to beat right. me later on in the playoffs something like that so exciting yeah, Son that'll be fun. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Why don't we, uh, why don't we, we kind of had a long lead in. Why don't we take a break, listen to our uh, sponsors here on the Blue Air Podcast Network, and we'll come back and talk a little college football and uh, maybe some baseball. We might even talk about baseball on this uh, Bleacher Wait, Blog what? podcast. What the hell? I know. All right. Stay we'll tuned. be right back. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back. Thanks for listening here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Bleacher Blums Podcast. We talked about this earlier, but you can get at Blummer, at Blummer27 on both Instagram and Twitter. Myself, at Real David Tuttle on Instagram and Twitter. I'm trying to be a better social media person. I'm not great. But this weekend, got to see a couple things that I really liked. I love the uh, the Mets closer coming out to the actual live trumpet. That was badass. That was, and then that was badass. I got to see you in your mullet outfit, which was great. Party on the <laughs> par, uh, business on the bottom. No, bar, party on the bottom, business on top. There you go. Yep. So uh, yeah. So social media has been good to me when I when I am a looky loo, but I'm not so great at uh, interaction. But you can get at us there, direct message us, tweet us. We will uh, read it. And if I don't see it, Mark or Blum will throw it at me and say, hey, did you see this? Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's usually how I find out things. So anyway, Blummer, so your daughter had her first uh, college football weekend um, on campus and probably one of the bigger games of the weekend, Cincinnati and Arkansas. Um, yeah. Did you get some nuggets from her about how the game went or were you able to watch it before your broadcast at all 
No, you know, it actually worked out great uh, because we got a chance, being on the West Coast, we actually got to watch that game before I went to my actual job, and it literally finished maybe a half an hour before I had to be on the bus, so it worked out perfectly. She was sending pictures. She had, you know, she had the outfit. She's in her sorority, and they had, like, this basic, I don't know, like, you know, shorts, T-shirt, and these red boots on, or cowboy boots, oddly enough, but uh, she sent the video, and, you know, the beauty, I think the beauty of college football is the environment that they play in. You know, it's so drastic and so different, yet so hyped everywhere you go. You know, it's a blast to watch some of these videos that these kids take from the student section when they're getting hyped for these games. But the unique characteristic for the University of Arkansas is obviously the pig suey chant that they do. And when you get 80 to 90, it's an, think about that number, dude. I know. 80 to 90,000 people chanting and cheering the same cheer or singing along with the same song or doing the same, uh, you know, dance steps or whatever it may be. It, it, it amazes me that you can get that many people on the same page. So she sent the, you know, the, the phone video of woo pig suey three times. And oh, I was cool. just fascinated. I was taken in by it. Goosebumps, the whole thing. She absolutely loved it. It was a hot day. She may not have lasted the whole game, but uh, it was fun to be able to be on her family chat and have my family in Houston. I'm on the West Coast. She's at the game, and we're all kind of at the same time, you know, woo pig every time they scored a touchdown. So I'm kind (laughs) of taken in by the SEC situation. And uh, as as we're talking right now, I'm actually emailing the the AD at uh, Arkansas trying to get tickets for the LSU and Ole Miss games. At Arkansas because I, I'm I'm sucked in I'm college football dude I am I am in I'd like to go to the LSU game I know we're going to try and figure out a time to do the podcast but uh, boy the LSU uh, game at Arkansas would be fantastic you know yeah. just like just like going to uh, Memorial Stadium at uh, Cal Berkeley or Santa Clara when we had Buckshaw Stadium for G two football it's almost identical you know just That's of right. our college experience no <laughs> I, it, it almost is I mean dude Cal Cal football. I mean, just to give you an idea of the college experience, my my recruiting trip, they beat UCLA for the first time in like 18 years. I got to rush the field. I was yeah, like, dude, it. this is college football, man. This is so rad. Do you broke bears, you know? <laughs> then I get to school and I'm like, we're getting waxed every, I mean, this is terrible. We're getting waxed. You know, I was before the Aaron Rodgers and uh, Marshawn Lynch era. You know, I was more the the Pulowski and, you know, Russell White and Sean Dawkins guys. But yeah. dude, come on. That, not bad yeah, football doesn't players, compare. just not a great collective team, you know? That's yes, funny. correct. You are correct. And my sophomore year at Santa Clara, just to give you a little, I was going to play baseball and football at Santa Clara. We're Division Two. We went to the 1962 Rose Bowl, I believe Santa Clara did. And in my sophomore year of college, they got rid of the football program. No moss. So, That's kind so of that was good. Buzzkill. <laughs> what a college experience. Now, we have a great soccer team. I could talk about women's <laughs> soccer, but you women's can still hear a pin basketball. drop there. You guys were good at basketball? Yeah, We had some players at basketball. That's why. Yeah, Randy Wynn, Steve Nash. That's right. But I've said this before because you're Houstonite. Santa Clara football produced Dan Pastorini. Oh, snap. Yeah. Santa Clara football guy, Brent, right. uh, Brent, Brent Jones, Cowboys guy, and then um, and Doug Cosby. Both pl- all played that? at Santa Clara. I know. So it's kind of like, you know. That's true, though. I mean, it, well, it's the same with Cal, right? It's like, okay, number <laughs> one overall, Jared Goff. What'd their team do? That's Nothing. Right. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch. What'd they do? <laughs> But they were great players. Yeah. They were. So it happens. Look, Blum and Tuttle came out of baseball schools, small little baseball schools too. So I know. Anyway, I don't know what are. to tell you. Here we are. All right. What uh what what do we got next? I don't know. You uh do you want to talk how how deep do you want to get into Madden or you had a couple of 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 other ideas? Aaron Judge, dude, can we just talk about the Yankees real quick? Let's do that. Because the Yankees are literally guess who's dread. Guess who? There was a great tweet. Uh, Robert Flores, who works for the MLB Network, also a Houston Astros fan, but he had a great ah, tweet okay. the other day. He said, it was, I think it was after Aaron Judge's 53rd. He just hit his 54th, and he's on pace for 64, which would be an American League record. Uh, I think the, the American League record is still 61 with Roger Maris, but 
He said after that 53rd home run that Aaron Judge is literally going to drag the Yankees into the playoffs with his offense. And I thought that was the most true statement of the year in baseball is that Aaron Judge is the only reason that the Yankees are going to be in that playoff situation. It's unbelievable. He is literally a one-man show for the Yankees. I don't know how you feel about it. I think what he's doing is astonishing. I love it. But at the same time, I don't know if that's enough, and I can't believe the Yankees have imploded this badly. I can't either. And, I I mean, it's really interesting because we talk about team and chemistry on here. Um, I mean, step back to Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is fantastic. Now, I mean, the question is, will teams pitch to him coming down? I mean, if you're the Rays and you're going to overtake him, this is the Barry Bonds thing. Like, Why would you pitch to a guy? Because, you know, Stanton's hurt. You know, uh, they pay – they paid Aaron Hicks a lot of money, and he's been kind of mediocre, and they got rid of some guys, and it's like they're pitching. Anyway, I mean, we've talked about before, pitching and defense is what wins championships. Pitching and defense was pretty good for the Yankees. Their closer, uh, you know, Holmes is fantastic. Like, they have some really good pieces, but you have, you know, tattoo infection Chapman. You have... um, You got a tattoo infection, Chapman. You got another guy that got hurt, uh, the guy that we were talking about because they had those guys come out of the woodwork. You have, you know, the back end of the bullpen is not as strong as it was at the All-Star break. It's almost like the Yankees played to the All-Star break because all their guys were at the All-Star game. And then all of a sudden after that, they come back. It's a whole different team. But I I just, Aaron Judge is fantastic. I mean, you and I played in the steroid era. What he's doing is fantastic. But Giancarlo Stanton can't be depended on. He gets injured too often. Their pitching is pitch kind of thin. Yeah, you can pitch to him too. That's the other piece. But um, anyway, I, I just think they're they're struggling. And why why pitch to him if that's how they're going to make the playoffs? Like I wouldn't pitch to him. One hundred percent. I think that's what's going to either happen down the stretch or it's going to happen in uh, it's going to happen in the postseason. If there's anybody on base, why would you pitch to him? Because you know, as a pitcher, you'll give up the solo home run. It's the two three run home runs that end up killing you. The solo home runs don't okay. normally kill you. Uh, so that's where Aaron Judge can create a little bit of an issue. Now, I think Giancarlo Stanton just fouled a ball off his foot, so he's going to be out for a week or whatever it is. Yeah. And then uh, Andrew Benintendi, the guy they traded for, did that's you hear about right. this? He took yep, a swing and broke the hook off yeah. his handmate bone. So yeah. he's done. I mean, this is yeah. unbelievable how, like Tuttle said, at the All-Star break, everybody's going, oh, they're going to break the Seattle Mariners record of 116 wins this season. Dude. They just got into, I don't even know if they're in 80 wins yet, but I mean, if they are, they just got to it. And that's what's amazing to me is that they were on pace for that. Can we talk a little bit about the trades? Brian Cashman may not have a job after this thing. He traded away Jordan Montgomery, who's been wipeout, lights out Mm. for the St. Louis Cardinals. And you just got to start from Frankie Montas the other day in Tampa, where he actually did what you expected him to do. And like you said, Roldis Chapman, not he's irrelevant. And Clayton Holmes, thank God, just came back. Yep. Yeah. So I, I mean, they're they're struggling. They're limping in for sure. And, and to your point about um, Robert Flores, I mean, you know, they're going to limp into the playoffs, and it might be Judge that carries them on his back. But that's not going to be a recipe for success long term no. in the postseason. And you know, it's unfortunate because I like to see. You know, we all do. We say this about football. It's like, look, I want to beat you. I don't want to beat you when you have your five dudes on a bye. I want to beat you when <laughs> you know we're head to head and we have all our best guys. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. This is such a game of chemistry and momentum. The The Rays are on fire. You and I both thought the Blue Jays would do really well getting in. They're on fire. Um, it's going to be really hard for the Yankees to hold them off. And, you know, that's why they play 162 of these things. You better believe it. Now, you talked about chemistry, and we hinted at Joe Madden, and there was an article that came out. There's been a couple articles. He had an article when he got fired from the Angels. There's another article that came out recently. I'll let you talk to that a little bit. But talking about chemistry, Joe Madden has always been one of those guys that kind of kind of prided himself on being maybe a little bit more, a little bit more old school, a little bit more player friendly, but he was always about the camaraderie. He brought penguins into clubhouses. He's brought uh, mariachi bands. He, he's always trying to stir it up. His team flights, I think, are themed every time they go on a plane, you know, whether they're wearing football jerseys or, you know, tropical attire. I think that he's trying to have a lot of fun, but I think he ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw in Anaheim when they tried to maybe over overrule, may overrule might be the right word instead of overrun, but overrule right. him 
with analytics. Uh, what did you see in that and what did you read in that article that kind of piqued your interest about it? Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, bringing us to this. I, I, what I was going to say is the reason it piqued my interest is because this is what you and I talk about. This is what you and I talk about off our podcast, on our podcast, behind the scenes, and maybe part of it's the old... Uh, I don't have any old guys rule shirts yet or, you know, any of those kind of things. But <laughs> we are getting there. But but we are getting there and we do sound like grandpa every once in a while. And I think Madden said in a more harsh way what I say all the time, which is you have to marry the analytics with the eyeball test, the art of managing. And mm-hmm. it's funny to take this back to the Yankees. I mean, in the first half, Aaron Boone looked like a genius and he's the greatest manager on the planet. And now Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone may be struggling for their jobs at the end of the year. Are they the same person? Or are they completely different people? I think they're the same person. And so, you know, not too much credit, not too much discredit, but they need to, you know, they obviously didn't make the right adjustments and there are things that are going on uh, beyond their control. But what Madden said in this podcast and what resonated with me is what we've talked about here, which is he feels like analytics are starting to overrun or to use your word, override or overrule, overrun, whatever Good word whatever terminology overrun. we can throw in there. Um, the actual nuance and the art of the game and the feeling of the game. And we've said this before. I mean, you have to read the game. You have to read the game. You have to understand it, where the headspace is for those guys. I mean, you made your manager look like a genius in the 2005 World Series because he pinch hit you and you hit a home run. He, you know, But you pinch hit a million times and you pinch hit sometimes and strike out. It's like you were ready for the moment. You practice for the moment. But it's a feel. It's a feel. It's not... Oh yeah! Every time this is going to happen, or this is what's going to happen, I I I I relate it to poker, right? Like if you get a pair of aces and I have a pair of kings, you know you have the best hand on the board. You're going to go, you know, you're going to go after that hand, but I may turn over a king and beat your aces, but you got your money in with the best odds at the right time. And I think that's what baseball should be and is if you're a good, you know, for lack of a better word, if you're a good poker player, you can understand it. What Madden said and. Some of this could rub people the wrong way. He was talking about how Theo Epstein and he used to work, but it sounded like they were trying to use analytics to overrule what you just said, overrule some of his substitutions, some of his moves, some of his his nuance, some of his um, feelings. And I think if he had animosity or tension with the team with the analytics team, um, then that probably you know resonated with his teammates as well. And I think just to finish this thought, Blum, because I think this is a good place for you to jump in. He said that there are certain things the players need to know. And you and I have talked this about golf, but they don't need to know everything. And I think that's great. Like when we go golfing, it's like, just have one thought, like keep your head still or whatever. But if you go, keep your head still, hands up, like close your eyes. All right, now get back. Now drag it. Like it's too much. And we do have access to all this information now. And some of it's valuable, but he's saying, especially, especially for a hitter or a pitcher, it has to be the the information has to be disseminated so that it can be utilized to its maximum effect. And I, that's how I interpreted what he said. I think he said it a little more harshly. But when you're going up there, you know, we've seen this movie, right? Clear the mechanism. You don't want to have all this <laughs> stuff bouncing around in your head. And I think Joe Madden articulated that really well. What, what do you think about that in terms of where analytics and, you know, the art of this uh, really are going to make a difference? What you said in the last maybe paragraph was absolutely perfect because there is feel, there is emotion. There's a lot of things going on outside of the computer. Now, what you need to understand is that baseball is not played in a vacuum. You're not void of feeling or emotion or intensity or crowd noise or what I had for lunch or what my wife said to me before I went to the field. And I'm going, what, what does she mean by that? And all of a sudden I'm distracted. You know, there's so many variables that go in there, but getting back to fantasy football, the reason that analytics are in football, in basketball, in baseball is because when you're playing fantasy sports, Your idea is I'm trying to predict the future and give myself the best opportunity to win. They call it win probability. How do I I evaluate that? Will I take past performance and match it up against another guy's past performance and try and predict the future? That doesn't take everything into account. You may have caught me on a great day back in... 
2020 where I got three hits against a guy who I shouldn't be getting three hits against, and now you're using it to project something that you don't know is going to happen in the future. There's so many variables. I get the idea of trying to evaluate talent. I get that and put the best team out there, draft the right guys, trade for the right guys, uh, you know, sign free agents, try and find, you know, try and find that guy with the, just a little bit extra spin that fits into my program to go out there and play well. Ryan Presley is a great example of that. Mediocre reliever with the with the uh, Minnesota Twins, flashes of brilliance, comes to the Astros, they figure it out, maximize the spin rate, he's a closer. Those are things that are beautiful, but at the same time, like Tuttle's talking about, to Madden's point, you can't just put a computer down there and say, this is the lineup today, this is what we're going with. You need to figure out, is a guy ailing on a hamstring? Has that ankle continued to bother him? Is he fighting through something? Is his mind not in the right place? Has he played 32 games in a row? Has, is, has this guy performed under extreme circumstances? And that's why when I talk about numbers, I like to talk about hitting with runners in scoring position or a pitcher close and late. What's this guy like with runners on base? Does he does his butthole pucker up and he not make the pitch and gets hammered? Or does he loosen up? execute and wipe guys out? Does he get that big hit with runners in scoring position? And I think that's why the human element, like Tuttle is talking about, somehow, some way, still needs to be in, in the room with the computer so that you can put together a ball club that's going to succeed. Because ultimately, the numbers are going to say what they say, but the manager has the right idea. I feel like the manager should, in a perfect situation, have the right idea for the right guy at the right time. But uh, it, it's really hard, and I don't believe baseball is a better game or managers are, Managers have value. I don't think the computer removes the value of the manager or, or what guys can do in certain situations. I, I, thank you for saying that. And you and I completely are aligned on this. I mean, I, Joe Madden said this. Do you think somebody with a computer walked into Earl Weaver or Billy Martin or uh, Jim Leland's office and said, hey, hey, this is what you got to do that, you know, Earl Weaver uh, might have uh, taken exception <laughs> to that, I guess. So That, and, that computer and, would have been in a lot of pieces. That's right. And but the thing is that's that's not to say that there's no place for it, which I think you just articulated. I really like the poker analogy. I'm not a great gambler, but I do say this. I've told you I play blackjack with this guy who does like high money loans and he just gets wrapped around his own head. He's like, "Oh, the dealer has a 4, I have a 3. I think I have to hit." And I'm like, "No." No, you got to play the odds, right? The dealer has a mm -hmm. bus card showing. Like let him play it out and you can just you can like no action is a good action. So yeah. get your cards on the table, get your money in the pot with the best odds in your favor, and then deal with whatever outcome that is. Be ready to answer the question at the press conference. Yeah, and I think that sometimes that overrides some of the decisions too, is like, oh, I'm going to have to answer this question later on. Why did I do this? But uh, to your point, you know, the, the cards in your hand are your players, and, you, mm -hmm. and if you have belief in them, you're going to go out there and ride it, ride with them, let it ride. If you don't, you're going to, you're going to, pick up new cards, you're going to trade some out, or you're just going to fold and try the next hand, move on to the next inning and things like that. So it's partly believing in what you have in your dugout too. Yeah. But that's the confidence you can instill. I mean, you and I both know this and we talked about- That's a big deal. That for, actually pays yeah. forward. It, right. And so do you want to pay it forward or don't you? And I think that's really what un, the underlying theme of what Madden said on this podcast. And so I encourage yeah. everybody to go listen to, uh, I think it's just the baseball podcast on The Athletic. It's Doug Glanville and uh, Jason Stark, but you guys can listen to it. He he said exactly what you said, which is you could pay this forward. And now we go back to what you just brought, led us into, which was Yankees, Devil, uh, the, I, want, I still want to call them the Devil Rays. I mean, it's like the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> I can't get, can't, you know, the-, I know. the well, oh, it just goes certain away. Cleveland team that I can't stop That's calling right. the name. Any Cleveland, the Guardians and the everybody. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, the Yankees are in this position now, right, with the analytics or whatever, but could you pay it forward? Could you give somebody confidence? And that that goes so far in the clubhouse. And so that's where I'm saying, be ready to answer the question before it comes, which is, look, I'm the manager of this ball club. I make yeah. the decisions. You know, I mean, Mike Tomlin, just answer the questions the way Mike Tomlin would, and you'd be fine. Like, guy. look, I make these oh. decisions because they're the right decisions for my ball club. And I even think Aaron, we've talked about this before, Dave Roberts and Aaron, they're a little further along than, you know, when I knew them as young lads, like we all did. But mm -hmm. I do feel like, you know, 
there might have been a clause in the contract saying, hey, look, you know, you got to listen to the analytics guy. So, you know, will you take this job if they have 45% of the input or something like that? And I just know Mike Tomlin would say, go fly a kite. Like, you know, you want to give me the job, give me the job. If you don't, don't. But trust me, I've been around baseball a long time. I know my guys. And I'm going to go with my gut sometimes. I'm going to use all the analytics. I'll I'll go to bed reading all the spreadsheets. You know, I'll look what mm-hmm. their OPS plus oh, yeah. is. I'll look at what the, you know, all that. So anyway, we spent plenty of time on that. But I do think it'd be great to hear what the fans think. I, I think baseball is still a game of nuance and art. And we've talked about this with the, you know, they want replay. I cannot see a, a, a you know, an automatic strike zone or appealing that kind of stuff. So I'm, I guess I'm old school. No, there's going to be, there has, I, I still believe baseball has to have a little bit of old school in it to be able to survive because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a generational thing. I know that eventually our generation will, you know, fall by the wayside and they'll continue to move on. But part of the beauty of baseball is that old school mentality of, hey, man, human error is going to be involved. We're going to deal with it. I know there's integrity of the sport, but at the same time, you know, there is a little bit of working with an umpire that has a unique zone and trying to understand that a little bit. Um, I want to I want to try and get into the quality start here, and a lot of people are hearing this. I feel like in the last five or six years, the word quality start has really started to jump into the vernacular of broadcasting. It's jumped into how guys describe the way they pitch, and what a quality start is is going a minimum of six innings in a game, pitching six innings, and giving up three earned runs or less. Now, you may be asking, if I go six, and Tuttle already knows this, if you go six innings, give up three earned runs, your ERA is 4.50, which is... Good math, Blum. Yeah, but it's not. It's on the higher end of ERAs, wouldn't you agree? You want to be a sub four if you're going to be considered one of the better pitchers in the big leagues. If you get sub three, all of a sudden you're in Cy Young contention. Now, what's, inter- what's interesting about this is if you go nine innings, give up four runs, your ERA is a 4.0, which is better than a 4.50, but guess what? You don't get credit for the quality start. You get credit for the complete game. So that's where I'm going to ask you, Tuttle, right now, just, just to give give fans an idea of what was it something you talked about as a pitcher, and is it something that you think about now when you quantify if a pitcher's done a good job? Do you believe in the quality start? Does it make sense to you? You know... <laughs> It's interesting. So you go nine innings to give up four runs. That's not a quality start. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So this is a good transition, believe it or not, from what we were just talking about. This is the analytics versus the... I I did see a couple broadcasts ago when Fromber broke the record and the guys he was in there, right? It was Verlander and Mike Smith. I remember Mike Smith used to take the ball every fifth day and just go out there. Mike Scott. Mike Scott. Sorry, look at that. See, I I really remember really well Mike Smith. (laughs) I was thinking of... uh, Gosh, who was I thinking of? Anyway, no, Dave, yeah, so, Dave Smith was on there too. Yeah, Dave. Well, no, he was in there too. So anyway, but all the guys on the list. So Mike Scott and Verlander and now Fromber beat them in terms of quality starts. But I totally agree with you. I remember I remember feeling satisfied, I guess, is the, the right answer. I, I remember throwing six or seven innings in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, and giving up three runs and coming out of the game like, all right, you know, I did my job. I, you know, I scuffled in one of the innings or something like that. So I think the old Oral Hershiser mantra sticks in my head, which is every time you take the mound, you want to throw a no hitter. <laughs> when the first guy <laughs> yep. of the game gets a hit, you're like, all right, I'm going to throw a one hitter, right? I'm going to throw a two hitter. So I think the mentality of grinding and fighting and clawing and scratching will get you where you want to go. I do think that you know, just like we said before with Joe Madden, with like OPS plus, like, you know, when you have like Dave Stewart on the mound for, you know, the playoffs and, you know, he's got his frown on and he's out there dominating and you know what, he gave up a three spot in the first inning and now it's a, you know, four to three game going into the seventh inning, but you, you know, your option is Dave Stewart, like still with good (laughs) stuff or bring in some guy out of the pen before you get to Eckersley you know, you're going to stick with your guy. So I think that's more important than the quality start. So to answer your question, the nine innings, four runs versus six innings, three runs, I think it's a little arbitrary to kind of have that, but but it but it is right. And I'm sure there's something where you, you've probably done this before. The math works out. If you give up three runs in six innings, you're going to win 
82% of those games or something like that. And so I'm sure somebody said that's where, again, this is the analytics. They probably said, okay, if you're going to win 82% of games, then that's a quality start because you're giving your team a chance to win. But you and I both know as players, which is why this is such a great transition from what we were just talking about, you know the days where the guy's on the mound and he has his stuff and that's a guy you have faith in. You know, would you rather have Tuttle out there and he scuffled and he got, you know, six innings, three runs or Verlander into the eighth inning giving up five runs and he's still got that, you know, this the death stare going. So there is a nuance to it, right? I mean. Yeah, but it's also, I believe it's also a generational thing because like he, like we were talking about, the analytics have kind of, they haven't taken over the game, but they do have a heavy influence. And I think the idea of the quality start is to keep your team in the game, like you said. And as a pitcher, you're satisfied. I actually wrote something down that it's good enough. You know, that's basically what a quality start is. It's good enough for the win. And that's all you're trying to do is go out there and give your che- give your team a chance to go out there and win. And I think that's the best way of going about it because getting a little bit deeper on the numbers, there are only seven teams that score less than four runs a game. So those are the teams that are scuffling a little bit. Everybody else is scoring four runs a game. So if you go out there and give yourself six innings, three earned runs or less, guess what? You're putting yourself in position to win. Now, analytics don't like the idea of wins and losses because there's so many other factors going into it. But at the same time, I think you need to value wins more if you're going to give guys credit for quality starts, because if you're giving yourself the quality start, you're leaving the game with the W, you should get the W and you're in line for the win. So I think the win kind of comes back a little bit as far as the record's concerned. Granted, you have to rely on your bullpen. Granted, you have to rely on your offense and defense to be able to maintain it. But I mean, a quality start is basically how many times have you put yourself in a position to win? And I think that's where Fromber's done a really good job. 22 straight. The record, I think, is 24 from Jacob deGrom. And I think the way when I talked about generationally and the analytics is that's where we move. Nobody, nobody throws more than two complete games a year. And you're going to have teams that don't throw complete games in an entire season. And I think... Up to like last start, the Astros had something like 75 to 80 quality starts. That was more than half the league. And that's something crazy to think about. And I think that's why the quality starts coming into play a little bit more and maybe carries a little bit more. My question is, on the other side, is one for four a quality day for a hitter now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's good enough. You're hitting 250. Yeah. Yeah. So are you a quality? I mean, it's it's crazy, but it's it's just amazing that that number's really jumped, and that four point five zero is probably what I'm getting back to, is now considered quality. It's yeah. it's a crazy to think about. It is crazy to think about, and I really like what you said. Good enough? Question mark. Right? Is it good enough? Because you know, in the clubhouse with your twenty five dudes, you need a bunch of guys in there that do not care about good enough. And this is like another place where you throw analytics out. If you want to keep me in the big leagues because I'm, you know, Joey Gallo, or you want to keep me in the big leagues because I'm, you know, Alex Bregman. I mean, I look at Gurriel, you know, 38, they were like, you know, yeah, he got a two year contract. It's a lot of money. He was hitting two twenty most of the first half. And now he's right where he normally, you know, I mean, he's not 300, but he's 270 or whatever, getting closer to 270. I mean, he he just does what he does. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, you you want guys that aren't looking at the stats every day, right? Like it's going to it's gonna pan itself out or it's going to work itself out if you keep. So as a pitcher and maybe as a hitter, one for four is not good enough. Now, if you hit three balls hard and you went one for four, the manager sees that. I wonder if there's a component of Dusty Baker being the manager and being one of the oldest school guys around, a lot of it has to do with the staff you have. I mean, Arquiti and Valdez and and uh, Garcia and Verlander. I mean, they've been very consistent, very good. But I do think they expect to go six, seven, or eight every time. Urquidy, the most impressive out of that. But they're not like looking over their shoulder. I think when the players start getting into the analytics side of it, like me going, oh, whew, I got another quality start. That was close. I got another base lo- bases loaded jam. But I, you know, six innings, two runs. I made it. I'm taking that. That's right. So when you as a player and you know this, when you when you stop fighting for every at bat, when you're satisfied with one for four with a couple of hard hit balls or you're satisfied with three earned runs and six innings, that's when you're going to be in trouble. Because I think the people in the big leagues, I mean, I was there. I was close. You were there for a long time. 
you know, to break in there, I mean, you know, you're scratching and clawing for everything. If I'm in AAA mm-hmm. going, hey, six innings, three runs, that's good enough to get me to the big leagues. Six innings, three runs, that's good enough to get me to the big leagues. I have the wrong mentality, my friend. And that's, 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 yeah, that is the wrong mentality. I think ultimately that's what it comes down to, right? You, you go for excellence and then you look back and you say, okay, I got a quality start out of it. And you're sat, you said it earlier, I'm satisfied. And I think that's ultimately, if you are satisfied, you don't want to go out there and say, man, I was trying to do this and I gave up five runs and five innings. I am not going to be satisfied. Even if I go six and gave up five, I'm not satisfied. So the idea is not to be, not to have the premature mentality of just being satisfied, Go for the moon, man. Go for the complete game shutout every time you go out there. And if you do end up with a quality start, then you say, okay, I'm satisfied with that. I gave my team a chance. And I think that's ultimately the mentality of it. But you can't go out there with the intention. I'm just going to go six and give up three. You know, I think, you know, that's not the right idea. Going out there, CG... Quality start. The Astros are only have only used seven starters this season. They traded one of them away, uh, you know. So these guys have that mentality, and that's probably why I appreciate this so much more. Is it? It's not. It's it's great to keep that streak going. But when Framberg Valdez goes out there, he's not thinking six and three. He's thinking nine and zero, and that's yeah. that's a great mentality. And those guys really kind of push push that on each other. And I think that's what makes this season that much more fun, because starting pitching, uh, you know, speaking to a pitcher here and David Tuttle. This has been the year of the pitcher for the Houston Astros. That is why they are, have such a huge lead in the West. Yeah, pitching and defense. And I, you just said it, mm-hmm. aim for the stars, right? You might end up landing on the moon or something like that. I mean, this is this is a dog-eat-dog world, dog-eat-dog industry, dog-eat-dog industry. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, if, you, if you're somebody like Fromber, he's thinking nine innings every time with no runs. And the reason he has a streak going is every once in a while, seven innings, three runs, six innings, three runs, you know, eight innings, two runs. And you're like, because his expectations are high, the higher your expectations are, then your floor moves up as well. And you want Ooh, a high floor call. is what you want, right? The, fl- yes. the highest floor nice. possible would be like, all right, quality start. So yeah, the Astros are on fire. The Yankees are not. And uh, fantasy football is going to start this week. So next time you hear from us, we will be talking uh, fantasy football, how the first week went. Do you have Baker Mayfield as your quarterback? Uh, like who got injured? <laughs> got to hope that Christian week Ma- seven quarterback. That's right. Hope that Christian McCaffrey <laughs> makes it through more than like three weeks this year. Uh, there's oh, a dude. lot. Of, there's a lot of storylines. I'm gonna have there, to change so. some. I'm gonna have to hang some old school football oh. jerseys that I've got back here, man. Maybe dress it up a little bit. What do you got? Oh, I've got. Uh, you know what I have? Those little thing we used to play with the pencil, but the little helmets. I've got like all oh, the little dude, football how helmets. Sweet were those, man. Back in yeah, well, you, wouldn't they come in cereal boxes or something like that? Those little yeah, mini helmets. I think so. I'm gonna put them on oh, top of the. Uh, I'll put them back so here good. on top of the. Yeah, just the little. Those are cool. Those little plastic helmets. We used to have all that. Yeah, Kids today cool. would be like, "What is that? It doesn't do anything. What do you do? No, that? it's just a helmet. <laughs> you don't care. Put we used to get them out of the. At the at the um, grocery store, yeah, they store. came out of the yeah the twenty five yeah. cent or whatever it was, or a That's nickel right. or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, I hope it was a nickel back in my day, but now probably. I, was say, a I, d- I dated I myself by saying it's more than a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey Blummer, fantasy football is underway. I don't play you this week, so I will say good luck. I won't say that the week we play because that's my sportsmanship mm-hmm. mentality. Um, Want to give a shout out to. Uh, First responders, first responders. I am struggling. My coffee's making me slur You've words. Done great. Ah, first responders, military that uh, you know allow us to enjoy the freedoms uh, here in America. Uh, teachers, uh, healthcare workers. I think COVID is the thing of the past, but you know now the flu is a monster out here. Um, I don't know. There's a, a bunch of people that we want to thank and uh, show respect for each and every podcast, healthcare workers, fire, first responders, military. And if you're over the age of 45, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. Get after it and believe it. Sounds like an elephant taking a dump.